This podcast has been brought to you by AD Banker and Company. They have been helping those new to the industry to pass their insurance licensing exam since 1979. Find out more about how they can help you license your producers and staff at adbanker.com. Our guest today is Daniel Joy, who is the founder and CEO of Mindfulware out of Montgomery, Alabama. Great to have you on the program, Daniel. Oh, thanks for having us, Dennis. I appreciate it. Say, Dan, I, I uh, before our visit uh, just early in the week, you sent me up your bio, uh, and I was reading through it. It was very interesting. It said uh, uh, you were described as a computer geek uh, when you were a kid, uh, and uh, right. you made uh, weekly visits to your local Radio Shack store to beg the manager for hands-on time with the TRS-80 computer uh, that you... Uh, <laughs> You're dating me, Dennis. That yeah, you... Uh, it shows how old I am. Well, that's all right. Uh, it's uh, you're a young guy still, because of course uh, that's in the mind, you know. You went to uh, you did an early science fair project uh, mm-hmm. when you're about 13. You wrote the code, uh, creating an animated stick figure graphic display loop. Uh, your teachers uh, gave you an F because uh, you were told that uh, there was no category in the science fair for computers. That's uh, right. <laughs> It was, uh, it, was, it was a tough day. Well, and uh, I guess that was 19, about 1978. Uh, then you went right. into the uh, Air Force. Uh, you served as a computer communications officer. You, you left the Air Force in 92. You started the company uh, Mindfulware as a computer software consultant group. Uh, you uh, formed a team of digital blacksmiths uh, with one simple goal, and that it was to create high-quality custom desktop software that was both easy to use and reliable for business uses. Uh, I found it kind of interesting because your focus was on the insurance community, and you said that uh, one of your first clients requested a system that would allow agents to calculate long-term care insurance rates quickly and accurately, that the two goals for the software were simple and created by the agents that were involved themselves, and that was one, to make it easier for me to do business with this insurance carrier, and two, to get me my check faster. Right. We would, uh, you know, and, and it was 1992, and, and calculating rates for long-term care was very complicated because there was a lot of compounding benefits. And we brought them a lot of ideas, and in the conversation, uh, we were shut down. They said, here's the two things that if it's not doing this, then don't worry about it. Are you making it easier for me to do business with the carrier? Are you getting my check faster? And it's funny, but you know, since 1992, we've been solving that same problem every year. The only thing that's been changing is the medium of delivery. You know, a DOS computer, Windows, and then web, and then wearable. So it's still the same problem. And even today, uh, when I ask agents, you know, what is your challenge? And they say, I, I need it to be easier to do business with this carrier. You know, it's uh, before we dive too deep into uh, uh, the, the nuts and bolts of your business and what you do, I'd like our guests to learn a little more about you personally. Uh, I know you're a homeschool uh, father. You've got four children. And when you're not at work, uh, I know when we visited, you said that uh, you're pretty dangerous at World of Warcraft and have reached level yeah. 93. So what does it take to reach level 93, uh, you know, not being a video well, game my, well, player myself? Well, you know, it, uh, I'm from, we're here in Alabama, and normally fathers take their sons hunting uh, as a recreation. But when your father is a computer uh, geek who travels a lot, uh, you still want to spend time with your children. 
and the World of Warcraft allowed me to literally go hunting with my child, but we hunted orcs. And so uh, to become a level uh, 93 fire mage is uh, several several years of time on the internet with but with time with my son, which uh, which is a big is a win now. He's way better than I am, and he likes to make fun of that. But um, we all have to find a way to balance you know, our family time and our responsibility to our children with the responsibility of work. Yeah. You know, I noticed uh, you also said that your father was a Steinway piano salesman. Did yeah. he uh, Did he teach uh, you to play the piano when you were young? Uh, no, no. He didn't teach me how to play the piano. He taught me how to sell. And, uh, you know, no matter what we're doing in life, I think we're all salesmen. And I got to I've learned and watch him uh, sell and the patterns that would, would follow that would look random to the person who walked into the, the room, but to him it was almost like a machine. And so I've tried to take what I learned by watching him sell these pianos and organs and, and translate that into what is the workflow of the insurance agent and how can I rebuild systems around that versus uh, them having to bend around us. Yeah. The, the most important thing is to sell, and the technology cannot get between the agent and the client. Yeah. You know, I noticed your degree. It was in computer science from Troy State University in Alabama, and that your interests were math, math, and more math. Uh, yes, I, I am. I, I, you know, when there wasn't, you know, we had computer science back then in the, in the 90s, and, uh, but it's, I tell everyone, the core to everything is math and, and computer science. No matter what the language, no matter what the platform, there's there's still a need for good uh, algorithms. And so luckily that love of math kicked off. Uh, however, now, honestly, when uh, parents ask me uh, their child wants to learn computers, what should they learn? I now tell them also art. Uh, it used to be that if the software worked, that was enough. Now it has to be, it has to be pretty. They have to have good, uh, easy to use. So it's a whole uh, new area. But at the time, and, and the math was very helpful, uh, making that transfer over to be a computer programmer. Yeah. Now, you started Mindfulware back in 1992. Tell me about uh, what you do now as the CEO of the company. Well, you know, um, you know I, I long ago, I handed over the reins of the programming to our lead CTO, uh, ben Edmonds. Uh, ben lives in Brooklyn. Uh, what we what we try to do is put our programmers or lead or find our programmers in the areas of the country where the leading edge things are happening. Uh, Austin, Seattle, Miami, uh, believe it or not, uh, Chattanooga. Uh, so that's where our developers are. And uh, I, you know, you get to a point where uh, you're just getting in people's way. So I, I um, but however. When I, I spent so much time with the agents, I'm more of the architect. You know, I, George Clooney was asked in an interview once, why would he want to direct film when he's such a great actor? And he said, I want to be the painter and not the paint. And there comes a time in our, in our career as computer scientists where we'd rather be the one who assembles the pieces because if you can build a good foundation, then the programmers can build something on top of it that's wonderful. Unfortunately, a lot of teams don't have senior people to lay the good foundation, and they and they build their house on sand. So uh, I'm more of the architect now. I draw pictures of crayons, and my young folks they uh, they, they make it happen much quicker than I could. 
Well, that's interesting. How has, I know you've been at this uh, probably, you know, it looks like from the, when tech was first invented, and obviously it had a different meaning in 1982 than it does today. How has your business changed over these years? Well, you know, um, at first, like I said, uh, it was, everyone was glad if it just worked. Um, the fact that we were able to take go from paper to a computer was such a, a helpful tool so they, they didn't mind that it was a, a huge uh, bulking computer they had to use. Uh, but later uh, it became uh, where it was getting in the way. And so I have found that, uh, that as the technology becomes more mobile, you know, our goal is to make it you know, still be easy to use, even though it keeps changing. For example, um, you know, uh, the Android tablets that are being used, uh, we, we write for them. But still, the device itself can be difficult for maybe an older agent to use. So we, we've adapted those screens to make them really easier to read uh, for them. So how the change is more people are using technology. Uh, it really wasn't that long ago when we had the argument, why leave paper? I mean, uh, why, why use email? And then, so every few years, there's always an argument, why do we need this new technology? So it's kind of a change, but it's... It's a cyclical change that happens about every three years. Yeah. You know, what surprises you? I know you specialize and uh, really unique in that respect, uh, focusing on technical solutions for the insurance uh-huh. industry. What surprises uh-huh. you most about uh, the work uh, that you do and your clients? Yeah. Honestly, uh, the biggest surprise to me is that, and actually it, it's also, but it's good for me, I find that the insurance industry is traditionally about five years behind the rest of the world when it comes to adopting new technology. And, but yet they are the ones who could benefit so quickly. I do feel the next generation of agents uh, will have this problem and they're going to expect it. Uh, but um, I find that you, uh, I introduce technology, uh, I can actually go slow because it takes a while for it to catch on. Folks don't like to change systems that work. And I find um, that to be the biggest uh, stumbling block uh, with that is that we have that problem. And, and also we run into the problem of legacy systems. Uh, we, we go and we try to help clients who uh, have never upgraded their systems. If you wait too long to upgrade, it gets to a point where all of a sudden you, it becomes impossible because the insurance industry cannot stop and say, okay, let's, let's stop selling while we redo our computers. You know, they literally have to continue to evolve. So I beg them, key technology is not revolutionary, but evolutionary, and always be moving forward because if you stop, you'll fall behind, and then it's very difficult to catch up. Yeah. You know, I've uh, watched a some number of your presentations, um, and uh, this question kind of jumped out at me. Uh, that I thought of the other day, uh, how do you think uh, the availability of big data will change the way insurance agents and carriers are going to work in the future? Well, I'll tell you, um, I want you to imagine, uh, we, right now we run rate quotes, and uh, we put in a zip code and age and gender, and we get a rate. Um, if you're a hometown agent and you live in, let's say you live in beautiful Montgomery, Alabama, uh, Normally, the folks who come in your office, they're from Montgomery as well. So you, you kind of already know about them. 
you've been selling to them for 30 years, and you know what they, they will go for, what they like, what they need, and you have a good feeling for them. However, the future is um, there's a phone bank and there's a number ring and a lead, and all we know is this zip code, and so we know nothing about the person. Big data allows us to say, uh, if the agent says, you know, zip code 36117, uh, 45 years old, male, we can use big data to say, you know, that person is most likely going to buy this, and you have about an 80% chance that they also would buy this add-on. The combo sell is the number one place that young agents are missing the boat because they're scared to try it. Big data can give them the confidence to say, in the past, your 80% have done something, and that one step there does it. Uh, the other place that the huge difference is being made is how leads are handled. Right now, uh, we have folks who, who have leads, and they, they'll round robin the leads, meaning they'll, they're like a deck of cards, they'll hand them out to the agents and, and one at a time. However, by applying big data, we can say, this agent does really well with folks from the north. This agent here does really well with folks who maybe are older and maybe from the south. If we apply a little, just one small touch of big data predictive analytics to even the lead distribution, um, I have seen 6x multipliers in conversion rates uh, by applying simple, uh, uh, easy-to-apply logic to make it a better fit for that agent. The agents are still getting the same number of leads, but now they're converting more of them because there just seems to be a magical chemistry that some agents just do better with certain types of clients. Instead of fighting that, we should embrace it. Now, is this what you mean when you say opportunistic quoting? No, opportunistic quoting to me is um, agents, I have found that insurance agents, I treat it. To me, an insurance agent is like a fisherman. Uh, 55 times a day, uh, he casts that bait. And sometimes it needs to go you know, under a log or under a tree, but it better be fast, it better be easy. This tackle box can't be locked, it can't be hard to use. Four times a day, the bobber goes up and down, means he's got a, got a nibble, and he's going to focus a little more attention on that. And then normally one time a day, he's reeling it in, and he's ready to focus on that and spend time on it and, and whatever you want to hope to come out. Opportunistic quoting says, I might be at dinner. I might be in an elevator. I might be, you know, at a ball game. You never know when the chance to quote will come. Now, later they can fill out the paperwork, but the, the, the start off the conversation is being able to quote. So one of the things that we strive for is, is how can we make it that where they can quote anywhere. So that's why we have done things like quote by text message. What is the common denominator? Every agent has a cell phone on them, uh, and, but they might not have a Debbie app downloaded. By using text messaging, I have brought it to the lowest common denominator so they can quote no matter where they are. Agents are agents 24-7. They're salesmen 24-7. So we try to make it where to give them opportunity quoting means no matter what the opportunity, you can quote accurate rates. You know, there's a long uh, expression we've heard, uh, insurance is not bought, it's sold. Oh, yeah. It sounds yeah. like you're kind of talking about, you know, I guess, well, it's bought because it's presented at the time that the customer is ready. 
or want it, and mm-hmm. which uh, which right. would lead it to that opportunity to quote uh, wherever you happen to be. Is that well, right? Well, but to me, uh, the, the concept of insurance not bought and sold is I feel that um, the agents uh, need to be more respected for the knowledge that they have of the product. And if the agents will put the need, and they do, they, if they put the needs of the client first and sit down and listen to the needs and apply it, then the right decision is made. To me, that means it's being sold. When we simply have an internet site where a client said, clicks a button and, and they buy it, there's so much missing there. And the possibility, I mean, if you're going to insure your car, okay, click a button and buy it. But if you're going to insure your heart, I think that needs an experienced, educated agent. And our agents deserve more respect for the classes that they go to and the knowledge they bring to the table. And there's certain things that just can't be automated. I want to automate the other part, but that's what I want to do is get out of the way, get the technology out of the way so they can actually listen to the needs and truly sell what's best for the client. Yeah. You know, it's, I heard you speak at the uh, Med uh, sub-conference, and you talked about the millennial agent and some of the differences in terms of expectations and motivations Tell me a little more about, uh, or our listeners, a little more about this millennial agent and, and why these tools that you're developing play such an important role. You know, uh, you know, the millennial agent is this new generation because in 10 years, our current agents will be retired, and this generation, they will be in play. Uh, there's a, but there is a big difference between the two that's never happened before. In the past, uh, agents were used to the concept of, I have to work hard to make a big win. So they used to be incentivized with yearly contests. And, and, and it works. Right now, every major carrier has a big trip if they sell big dollars. Unfortunately, the millennial agents have a different mindset. Uh, number one, they're used to playing video games. They're used to winning every day. They're used to winning every hour and getting that feeling, that rush of success. Um, so unfortunately, they're not going to be motivated by yearly contest, they want to be more motivated by more like a weekly. However, the other difference is, and this is actually a positive difference, I think, is that the current generation of agents, they do want to win money. They want to win cash and things, and that's great. The younger ones, believe it or not, they want to win status. Like I said, I'm a level 93 fire mage. That's a status. Uh, I am a premium uh, flyer on Delta. That's a status. These agents, they want to have status. Like, I'm a, uh, so there's this concept called gamification. It's not even a word in the dictionary yet. It was first used in 2010, uh, but it, I think you're going to see it everywhere. Microsoft just purchased a company called FantasySalesTeam.com out of Austin, where you post sales results, but they make a game out of it, and they're going to hook it straight into the CRM. Gamification gives instant feedback and engagement to the agent uh, on what's going on. Uh, the old days, there's a board on the wall. They make a sell and um, they would go make and make a mark on the wall uh, to, to keep the score. But they added that what they were looking at was whether they sell. Tomorrow's agent wants the minute he clicks the button, he wants to see that screen change and he wants to know his status in the group. They, not only do they want to win, they want to make sure everybody else knows that they're losing. They're very competitive, uh, but it needs to be instantaneous. 
and it needs to be on their cell phone. It can't be on a whiteboard in the in the in the sales room because agents aren't working in that mode anymore. They're all remote. Yeah. So live instantaneous feedback and also they must be motivated on the on the actions of sales, not the sell itself. We need to quit focusing the millennials will not do well if we tell them you need to make a hundred thousand dollars in premium this year or this week. They need to hear you're going to make twenty visits this week. Yeah. That's the way they're going to work better. It's a, it's a it's a radical change that's coming that a lot of folks are worried about. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm trying to help. Yeah. Well, I know when I heard your presentation and then later we talked and you shared with me a couple of stories about where you were actually out in an agent's office listening to them dial the phone, make the calls, and in the process. So I know you've got frontline experience with uh, working with agents. What type of tools have you added to your systems to assist them? And what others uh, may they not have considered yet? Well, you know, um, funny thing is um, our, the phone bank uh, group, a style of sales, has really been exploding, mostly in the meds up in that type of market. And I can understand the economy of scales. So I, uh, I travel a great deal, and uh, I'll get, and, uh, I like to kind of sit anonymous and watch them in the process, and I time them. And in selling meds up, your average uh, agent is speaking to someone who is 65 years or, or older. And I, I would watch the agents who were successful, and I watched the agents who weren't successful. And I noticed one trend. Successful agents would talk to the client for about two minutes and 30 seconds about something other than sales or insurance before they would start into the sale process. The younger agents who felt that they were, uh, were on a timer would instantly jump into a pattern, and the elderly, that doesn't do well. And, um, I, and I saw this one time, and, and I called my mother every Saturday. I'm a good son. Every Saturday I call her. We had the same conversation uh, for 30 minutes. And you know, how the kids and everything, but she always asked me about the weather. I don't know what it is, but when I go to her home, the weather channel is on. And every time there's a storm in even near Alabama, she will call and want to know if my house has been blown away. <laughs> you can tell a tornado. So I went back to my team. I said, if the agent is sitting here in our phone room, we know the zip code, why don't we show them a five-day weather forecast for the area of the client? And while we're at it, let's do a Google map and show the local area so the agent has something to talk about. Oh, I see you're from Montgomery. That's near Auburn, you know, uh, uh, the home of the Tigers. When they see the weather, they can make a comment. That one tool has absolutely nothing to do with accurately calculating the rates or filling out the application to get order, but it has made a huge difference in helping the agent. And it's something we never would have noticed if I hadn't sat and watched. You have to sit and watch the process. Yeah. Software cannot be developed in a vacuum. Well, that's neat. That's neat. Uh, what excites you most about your business and the future of the technology that? you're working uh, to put in the hands of, pr- of producers out there? Well, you know, it's funny. Um, because technology keeps changing, and since I'm solving the same problem over and over, we actually get to have fun with it. And um, it's, uh, we're, we're learning something new every day. We solve a new problem every day. Uh, I got challenged uh, by one of our carriers. Uh, what is the cheapest rate calculator you could build, meaning hardware-wise. They wanted to give out a prize. 
and um, and I struggled with it, and I challenged my team, and we ended up, and the answer was $48. Uh, uh, you can go to Best Buy. There's a watch that they sell. They're called the Pebble Watch. It's $48, and, and what we did was it does have Bluetooth that, can, that will talk to your phone, and we, both, we built a rate calculator for BedSup that can pull multi-carrier rates from a $48 watch on your, on your wrist. Um, and, and that was a goal. How, how easy can I make it for the agent uh, to do that? And then the new technologies, what some people call the Internet of Things, where because the future, we won't use a keyboard and a mouse. We will talk to our computer. Voice recognition has gotten so much better. Google just released a new uh, service that we're able to do where you can rent their supercomputers by the second. It understands 80 different languages instantaneously. So we see a future of an app being filled out or rates being taken where there's a, a conversation that the agent, so the agent has absolutely no technology barrier between him and the client. He is simply talking to the client, and as he talks, the computer hears and brings up the answers. That's my goal. There's absolutely no piece of technology in between them and the client, and they can actually be engaged just like they were in the 70s when they would go with their flip charts and sit down at the kitchen table and have a conversation with a client. That's what I like to see. That's what excites me, is to give them back to the way they actually used to be business. Well, that's neat. Uh, say, what uh, uh, individual, you know, we all have mentors and people we look up to. What individual or uh, experience possibly uh, had the well, biggest impact on you? I'll tell you, um, it, was, you know, it was a blessing. Our, first, our very first client was a company by the name of American Insurance Marketing Services in Montgomery, Alabama. They, they were uh, a large, what we would call an NMO, about 20,000 agents selling long-term care. But the leader of that company, his name was Jack Crawford. Uh, Jack and Harley Gordon and others were some of our forefathers of, of long-term care who fought the carriers to get riders, like home health care riders, and uh, let's have something so that the family can be repaid if you're taking care of the loved one. And, and, and back in that day, NMOs had so much power the, against the carriers where they could say, this is what my clients need. Jack Crawford taught me everything I know about insurance and but from the point of view of what is right. And the good news is that is my entire team. Our motto of our company is integrity, performance, design, meaning the very first thing is, is does it have high integrity? And Jack Crawford taught us that the agent truly was uh, the, the front-line person uh, to make sure the right things were made. Otherwise, we would have developed software that simply was a calculator that worked and that would have been good enough. So my mentor would be Jack Crawford, who just um, did so much for long-term care industry. Uh, and, and to this day, uh, the short-term care policies that have started to come out, that was something he and some other folks actually invented and came up with when they saw the, the future downfall of long-term care due to cost. So to him, I, I, give all, all, I owe everything to him. You know, it's, uh, I heard you uh, give this quote uh, a while back, uh, uh, and this is uh, from uh, Daniel Joy. Uh, Good design is beautiful. Great design oh, is invisible. That's right. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, it's, uh, the good design is beautiful. We look at the, the screen and we say how pretty the colors are. Uh, my goal is uh, a screen where you don't see the navigation 
of you can see the data. And there isn't a help button because there doesn't need to be one. It's made, it's, it's, it's that intuitive. Uh, good design, uh, good design says have the data separated by black lines like a spreadsheet so the user can see the changes. But beautiful design says don't have lines at all. Use negative space to separate data uh, because it's easier on the eye. One of the highest compliments I've ever received was from an agent out in Iowa. I was in an Iowa cornfield in a shop that had been set up in a cornfield. And the highest compliment was, I use your system all day, and my eyes don't hurt at the end of the day. I don't know why, but they just don't. And I explained to her it's because we separate data with negative space instead of dark lines so that it won't cause something called optical vibrations. It's invisible. She doesn't see it. It's still great. It's a great design. Yeah. So, it's a. If you look at the iPhone, uh, the iPhone revolutionized interfaces. It's, there's no clutter. There's no administration. It's simply icons that you sweep across. The, you can hand it to a six-year-old. Six you can hand it to a seven-year-old, and they can use it. That's yeah. when you've got great design. Yeah. You know, many of our, uh, maybe most of our listeners are producers licensed producers out in the field that are uh, meeting and interacting with customers every day. Uh, what are some things that they should be asking of their carriers when it comes to technology to help them uh, fulfill their, their obligations and their, their jobs better? That's, I love that question. I, something I, would, I would love to shout from the mountaintops. Um, understand that the insurance carrier is a business meaning profit, meaning the less they spend, the more they make. The, the, the larger marketing organizations have to demand a, a smooth e-app process for their agents, or they won't get it. They'll get several PDFs. They'll get, the, they'll get the lowest common denominator. And what ends up happening is when you have nothing but like several PDFs, is you get apps to get turned in that have mistakes. And when you have mistakes, you, we call them NIGO, not in good order. Well, 75%, this is my own personal feeling. I cannot back up this number because no one will tell me exact numbers. But from 25 years of experience, 75% of NIGO apps never become apps. That, so missing one piece of data, one bad quote, one missing, like not getting the data birth, because of the back and forth action that happens, you can lose a piece of business that you work so hard for. So I think it's, I put, I put the burden on the marketing organization. You have the power. Take it back. You gave it away. Take it back. Demand from the carriers the best technology to do the job and make them pay for it uh, because you deserve it. Uh, don't accept mediocre uh, software or uh, just a fillable PDF because it's good enough and it works. You deserve better. Yeah. And you should go with the carriers and make it easier if you do business with them. That's how you get them to move. Yeah. Well, Daniel Joy, uh, CEO, President of Mindfulware, thank you so much for being on our program today. It's been great. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate it very much. Have a great day in Montgomery. Thank you. Oh, hi, you're still here. Say, if you are interested in reaching thousands of licensed insurance producers across the country, why not consider sponsoring a guest podcast? If you had sponsored this episode, 
we would be telling thousands of listeners daily about you and your company. Find our contact information to request prices and availability at insuranceradio.com.